Welcome to the Jaunty Mantis Season 2, Creation Without Numbers. This is numbers, a Numbers, numbers, Sorry. This is a podcast about tabletop role-playing games. The voice Role-playing games, role-playing games, role-playing games. The echoing voice off into the distance is my co-host and best friend, Jesse. What's up, party people? Oh, right. And I hate I... myself after <laughs> that. And I am your other co-host, Maddie. And we're a bit loopy because, uh, listener, I have to own this one. I made a mistake when we planned this out uh, because I thought we were, we were going to have 12 solid episodes. And I, I forgot about episode 11 of season two. Uh, season uh, season two, episode twelve will be us playing a round of microscope in order to uh, flesh out the creative experience. And Jesse has come to the rescue with another Kevin Crawford gem, Wolves of God. I have I wrote an intro for it. Ooh, all right, let's hear it. You ready? Fate is sailed and ailed, earn and forward, wolf tied on mid in Roman Bretalanda's Ashken. The spearest there Ingra Lishara, Leo the Cinderiard, with Hyra with her winnum, and the wheel on the western dunus gemind bitter, that they him ere where Ginnem was. The towered Kestra, they sforga within Roman workses, scattereth the land, ach in gelden mid, for water trace burgen, bid the sporen mana on than last and dagum. Galder crafted arxes, our gesselgeld, with Roman buffoon, they nefra quomen, sinu up in prakinda, the a wind in flood on a binnen thumb, seketh, reckon lice wergild for ironeth, sindrin liquor gera, the halgen minstra, thas writ wislicken, muneka and good kundra, nuna standeth swahiartus, with reckid qualu and unsparing blood gild. Ach magnan hyra guioka afra, hoping to tame with thy night in you on hyra kinnisbom hyartum. I'm going to have fun trying to score that. Oh, I picked some music for it. I'll send it your way. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know what Jesse said, folks, but you heard it here. So I, the... Go ahead. I, I took the drive through RPG description of the game and I translated it into Old English. Oh, perfect. <laughs> so it is, uh, it is an age of iron and ruin, a wolf tide on Roman Britain. Mm -hmm. Wolves of God is the game of 7th century Anglo-Saxon adventures. <laughs> what is the play loop for Wolves of God? Uh, start out uh, basically like a, a well, one of the things that know about the English and Wolves of God is that they're poor. So you start out poor um, and uh, you adventure to gain fame and glory and uh, kinship and land. Uh, so you're not poor anymore. <laughs> yeah. And I love the way that it's written because Crawford's attitude in his writing is you're welcome. Yep. Uh, the conceit <laughs> of the book is that it is written by Brother Bede, mm -hmm. uh, an Anglo-Saxon monk of the 7th century 
who is describing the uh, the gaming of the Anglo-Saxons. And then there's some little footnotes of the historian who has seemed to have unearthed and translated this script. Yeah. Like, this also sets up from this other thing found in this site, the possibility that Beowulf was an actual play of a Northumbrian campaign. <laughs> yeah. He fucking committed to this shit. Like, it's amazing. He went all in on this thing. Deep, deep cuts. Yeah. Like, I I opened this PDF uh, and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> and then I read it, or most of it, and I was like, this is fucking awesome. Like, yeah. I, it makes me wonder what would happen if more people wrote role-playing games in the theme of the setting in which the game is supposed to take place. Because after you get over that first moment of, what the fuck is this? It actually really, like, gets you into it. I was... Like I, I don't I don't know why I should be surprised with something of, of Crawford's caliber, but man, like I really appreciate the risk in that. You know what I mean? Like that takes some fucking creative balls. Yeah. Uh the I have the physical book. It looks like a Bible and it has like a like an Anglo Saxon like wolf nice. lion thing in gold on the cover. I'm trying to find my favorite passage right now just to give you a sense uh of of what this is and i think i just found it um with the combat uh because there is there is this section uh uh or sorry there are two sections that i i have to read the first one is this all gamesmen agree that a game cannot be good save that it is guidance for tasks common to heroes, such as spear clashing and cunning deeds of skill and growing in might and cattle raiding and feasting and all common challenges they may face. So it is here that I advise you as how a GM might rule over a cattle raid. Mm -hmm. And then it does. And there's a pretty pretty good rule set for, for cattle, cattle raiding. Yep. Um, because apparently that is a core play arc. Right. This is a game that knows what it is. Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. Uh, and then the other one. Wielding two weapons at once. Is the sidebar. And it begins in bold text, the writing of Brother Bede. No, what in heaven's name are you thinking? How are you to stand in the shield wall with a sea axe in each hand, waggling them about like a Demarcus who has fled the arena? Perhaps you have read too much of these Eastern warriors of centuries past and think to ape their practice. But such ridiculous prancing is not for the brave warriors of the English. I will have none of it in my game. I love it. And then there's a footnote. Brother Cornix evidently felt very strongly about the topic. Oh, it's Cornix. Bede, I think, is a real monk. Of... Oh, okay. Brother Cornix evidently felt strongly about the topic. If a GM wishes to allow a PC to dual weed, wield, whether for a PC foreigner or because the GM simply likes it, they can give the PC a minus one to hit penalty and a plus two to damage on hit, but no extra shock. Yeah. His man after my own heart. I... Like what, what? What is the YouTuber's name? Lindy Beige, I think his name is. Like, uh, I'll, I hopefully I'm not fucking this up. But like, he makes it. He has a great video 
on why dual wielding is just not a thing. And one of the most effective parts of that video is he describes like, imagine trying to play tennis and you have a tennis racket in each hand. And he goes through the motions to show you what that would look like. And he's like, you've sacrificed like power, accuracy, mobility, like all the things that are important in order to keep another person from killing you while you're trying to kill them, you know? <laughs> and it like anytime the dual wielding is in a game, I always have to check myself at the door because I have my first reaction is like, that's bullshit. It shouldn't be allowed in the game. And then I have to be like, no, this is a game where we can cast fucking fireball and we can kill orcs. So yeah, you got to have the blades crossed in an X. Yeah. Yeah, just, just, you know, another reason to love Kevin Crawford. I'll take it. So <laughs> uh, here is the basic conceit of Wolves of God. Okay. Okay. It is the 7th century. The players create English heroes. There are three character classes. The warrior, the galderman, who is kind of like a sorcerer, but says he's godly, but the monks don't believe him, and the saint, um, who might be able to perform some miracles. Okay, uh, The British are poor. Uh, they have, in a couple gener within a couple generations of ago, come in and basically killed the Britons and driven them to the hills. So the Welsh are in the hills, the last of the Britons, um, who hate them. Uh, there is not a unified Britain. They're all small, petty kingdoms. And uh, like they're fairly recent converts to Christianity. They very much think the devil is real. It's got all the Germanic myth stuff out there in the wilderness. Uh, dungeon crawls are in casters. I mentioned that in the old English one. Uh, those are the ruins of Roman cities um, from the Roman occupation. And then if you want to get weird extra planner, the Romans were apparently great sorcerers of power that has been lost and created these weird pocket magical bunkers called arxes in their cities that now it's been so long that the seals are starting to fade. And so sometimes things come out changed by their time in a magical pocket dimension. Yep. And listener, if that sounds cool to you, you're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't I can't imagine another game I would have translated something into old English for. <laughs> this is such a weirdly specific sweet spot for me. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. Explain. I I just, you know, like Englishmen who are barbarians. <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah. I mean, talk about like having all the proper elements of like a medieval fantasy style game, but oh, then dark actually... ages fantasy style. Right, well, dark ages. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not a I'm not a smart person or a historian. So uh, then imagine you can actually back the dark ages part up. <laughs> like that's actually part of the gameplay experience. Yeah. You yeah. know? We don't live in this fantasy Dungeons and Dragons world where nobody ever has to like shit in a bucket and throw it out a window. <laughs> You've got a bucket? Who'd you <laughs> steal it from? Yep, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wolves of God is incredible. Like, how badly do I want to run this game? 
How badly do I want to play? I know. Like, I want to be like, who are you? Like, I'm Ethelbert. <laughs> Laugh, motherfucker. <laughs> I think our group would love this game. Like, Ethelbert's the name of a famous Anglo-Saxon <laughs> king. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh uh other differences. There's not really currency. Like you might like trade hack silver or like your lord who you serve might to show his bonds of friendship give you like a golden torque or something that you can trade. There aren't really a ton of magic items, so like your bonus comes from splendor like the more like if you find a fine roman cape that hasn't rotted and you wear it you get a bonus to die rolls because you just look cool like i know it's so fucking awesome <laughs> so uh of course uh brother cornix has some very familiar advice for designing for this is basically like only plan what you need to. If you're not having fun, stop. But also he says like the start of an adventure. Well, he says primus <laughs> primus. You must create a conflict for your adventure. And so, uh, for creating a simple conflict and getting players into the game, he suggests what's called a caster crawl, which is an exploration through the ruins of one of these Roman cities, looking for wealth and plunder, preferably tied to the problems of some people in the area. And a lot of time, he suggests, minsters, or, or you know, sorry, I'm using the word from the game, from <laughs> Old English, um, an abbey, okay? An abbey will be built in a corner of a caster to mm -hmm. use the Roman walls as two of the walls of the church. Right. And also there's readily available building supplies. Um, so the reason we're creating uh, a minster on today's episode is like that would be basically the starting town for the PCs is helping the godly brothers who dwell within with mm. their worldly problems. Yeah. Um, and I just want to share uh, another little passage uh, from Brother Cornix here. Uh, this is the beginning of the religion section where the rules or creating a minster are it's on page 146 and it says it is impossible i should quote quote it is impossible to understand the english it is impossible to understand the english if you know not the works of christ without understanding our minsters and our monks and our church we will seem only barbarians to you we will look like mere wild men living in mean hamlets of thatched halls and miserable huts killing each other for the sake of a stolen cow or a sullen word yet as hard and bitter as our lives can be they would be unfathomably worse without christ without god and his church we would be utterly lost to hell so that's you know Going all in. Going going all in on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wolves of God is is to Dungeons and Dragons what Ultima Online was to World of Warcraft. <laughs> Which nobody's gonna understand unless you're like at least 40 years old. But yeah, it's like the idea that you can play a game where you're just gonna be doing some very simple and straightforward shit. And you gain bonuses from wearing a cool looking cape. 
I mean, this is like role playing games at its finest. It's like it's like it, the essence of because like creatively, you got to fill in a lot of stuff, and there's just loads of opportunity. You don't have to worry about your subclass or checking certain aspects of uh, of the gameplay experience. It's like it, it has that OSR uh, flair to it, where it's like rules light, creativity heavy on creativity. Um, it's got a dark edge to it, like most of Crawford's stuff. Uh, roll some dice and have some fucking fun, and raid some cattle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I didn't call it out earlier. When he makes a list in the book, the, the paragraphs are labeled Primus, Secondus, Tertius. <laughs> yeah. Just imagine how this shows up in the season two listing. Like, <laughs> what is genre? Creating a cyberpunk setting. Creating a fantasy setting. Creating We're making a, a church. <laughs> creating a minster which is what we're about to do right now listeners of the john demantis if you haven't unsubscribed if you haven't turned off the podcast and unsubscribed then join us as we create a proper minster on page 173 oh i thought we were going to start at 161 oh i'm sorry 161 now, this may sound familiar to some of you longtime listeners of the Jaunty Mantis, but we're going to generate two traits. Two tags, if you will, yeah. for our minster. And each one of them will have an abbot who runs the minster, woes, graces, and goals. They're committing to the bit. Mm -hmm. uh, and we are going to try and see how they mash together. So, uh, my good friend, Maddie, our, remember again, reason we're doing this, what's our takeaway reason we're doing this, this would be base camp for our adventure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Pretend we're running a, a I'm, I am run, pretend I'm running a wolves of God game. This is the base camp. All right. Start with the D 20. Yep. Got a two artful production. And 14 learned monks. Okay. Oh, this place is valuable. These people might actually know how to like make fancy jewelry and shit. <laughs> yeah. This place is ripe um, for the picking. <laughs> what, you would raid a minster? Are <laughs> you in truck would. with the forces of hell? Some fucking um, heathen would. <laughs> Yeah, you have to protect the minsters. These are godly men. They can't spill blood. The whale could be out there in the hills, eyeing their treasures at this very moment. And surely, if the abbot favored us, we would be rewarded as well. <laughs> mm -hmm. Or my name's not Ethelbert. All right, uh, do you want to take Artful Production, and I'll take Learned Monks, and we'll we'll go down the list? Yeah. All right, Artful Production. The Minster has an uncommon number of rare craftsmen working in gold, glass, stone, and perhaps even silk. Things can be fashioned here that can be made in few other places in England. The Minster may receive many requests for the services of its monks, often from other Minsters in need of their works, or from kings who desire rich things to give their loyal followers. 
Yeah, and and this is something that's so tied into the setting too. When I said the British are poor, like there are no silversmiths in like an English village. There's there's no jeweler. Like there's there might be a blacksmith, uh, and he's hammering raw iron, uh, maybe steel if he's incredibly good. Um, and then also when you think about the authority of a king, this is not high medieval D and D. The king is an ultimate power. The only reason the king is in charge is probably because he's got a bunch of dudes who have spears that like him. And why do they like him? Because he gives them fancy stuff from minsters and reward for their loyalty and service. Right. Uh, I have learned monks. The monks of the minister are exceptionally well-educated, and it's possible that they even measure up to the very high standards of the Britons or the Irish. They doubtless possess the answers to many puzzling mysteries and can give sage advice to those who seek their wisdom. Great combination. This is a place yep. of riches and learning. Of fine place, craftsmanship and education. At least not seen on English shores since the Roman occupation. <laughs> yeah. This is a rare jewel that's uh, hiding <laughs> somewhere. Because <laughs> can, you, can you imagine if enough people found out this existed? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I have, uh, do we start with our abbot? Yeah, let's figure out who our abbot is. Now are we going to read our abbots and then decide on one? Or are we going to try to mash them together or maybe all of the above? Let's, uh, let's do all of the above. Okay. So for artful production, my abbot, abbot enamored with beautiful art, foreigner who brought the artists, artist and abbot of a traditional line, canny trader beneath abbot's robes. Mm. Uh, the abbot is a famous scholar. The abbot is Irish or Briton and brought the tradition with him. The abbot is a charismatic collector of scholars. The abbot trucks with dark powers for secret lore. <laughs> I know which one I like. Yeah, I think we like the same one. I also Devil like, abbot. I like the canny trader beneath abbot's robes. Like, I if, let's double down on the sinister side of it. Yeah, this dude is way not a holy man. <laughs> right. Right. Someone who practices in the dark arts and then is a canny trader posing as an abbot. <laughs> yep. Okay. Ready for woes? Whoa. All right. Uh, I have thieves seek to plunder the riches. Lords are coercing gifts of rare goods. A crucial ingredient is difficult to obtain. The art is being made with unholy aid. Well, golly. <laughs> so they've got a captured dwarf. <laughs> uh, woes for learned monks. The monks seek dangerous knowledge. A precious book they have has been stolen. Their best scholar is semi-heretical. They are more concerned with mundane wisdom than godly truth. Well, I know which one I like from my list. The art is being made with unholy aid. And I think the monks are seeking dangerous knowledge from this unholy aid. <laughs> yeah. All right, graces. The gifts the monks can give are very precious. The monks are needed by an important lord. 
The monks have a storehouse of great treasures. The monks have many allies influenced by gifts. Graces, their scholars know many practical and useful truths. People implicitly believe what the minister tells them. <laughs> they have ties to many scholars and other ministers. They have troves of foreign lore. <laughs> Which one do you like? People implicitly believe what the minister tells them. Mm -hmm. Tightens the screws if the PCs find the darkness dwelling in the minster. And I like the monks are needed by an important lord. Yep. I think it I think there's so much going on here that there there's an element of protection that's needed for this for our minster and yep. I think if they are needed by an important lord that assumes they may have protection or at least the reputation of protection from that important lord. Yeah. Maybe like the king of Essex. Then yeah, and then we just need to find out what uh what they're needed for. Like maybe the the king of X Essex had like it's their demon possession. Like of course. It's a child who's possessed by a demon. Uh, okay, goals. Recover a stolen treasure, erect a wondrous work, persuade a great craftsman to join, spread their skills to another minster. Goals acquire a priceless book that is now in perilous hands. Convince another minster's best scholar to join them. Seek out artifacts and records from a dangerous place. Build a magnificent library of almost a hundred books. Almost a hundred books. <laughs> I like from mine, I like um, acquire a priceless book that is now in perilous hands or seek out artifacts from a dangerous place. And that can be from the caster the minster is built into the wall of because that sets up a first adventure nicely why do they need the book because the lord needs the holy ritual you know mm -hmm. uh, needs the roman arts in that book to cure the demonic possession of a beloved uh child or something like that right i like uh persuade a craftsman to join I like the idea of the success of the artful production of this minster has to do with the fact that they're able to recognize skilled craftsmen and then like seize them up so that like all the best craftsmen work here and they're all have something over their head. That's forcing them to do so. Yep. Cool. Okay. What's next? I'm going to look up old English names real quick so we can name our abbot. Perfect. Oh, Edward. Okay. Father Edward. Works for me. Yep. Um, Cool. So there we go. We've got Father Edward who... What if Father Edward uh, fell in with the dark arts uh, trying to figure out the cure for this? For the Lord? For the Lord's... Yeah. I like, like it, it started out as a journey of piety and led to a place where, you know, now. Now, was this a place of treasures before that or after that? I think after that. I think in their research, there's probably another adventuring band and mm -hmm. maybe they can. I should also admit, oh, this is a cool encounter. So in Orc, 
<laughs> uh, an orc in Wolves of God is a corpse possessed by a spirit sent from hell. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. <laughs> right on. And so there's like orc thralls who are like mindless and orc captains who like do a a sad, twisted, disgusting parody of their normal life. And then hell kings who are like the big orcs. Our first level PCs should not face a hell king or an Mm. orc champion. And like two orcs is going to be a challenge for them. But, you know, one of the things is if they're playing by D&D rules of just running in swords when they see them, well, your mistake. It's an OSR game. Um one of the encounters that we can have for our caster crawl is the orcs that were the adventuring party that captured the dwarf. Okay. And this is like, think Norse dwarf. Don't think D and D dwarf that right. captured the dwarf that, you know, taught the monks, their skilled craft in hellish trade or taught the abbot in his pursuit of trying to find this cure for the malady that's stricken the King of Essex son. Mm-hmm. And for the uh, uninitiated, what are the diff- primary differences between a Norse dwarf and a D&D dwarf? Uh, they're not little Scotsmen. Um, they're magical. Uh, they live forever. They have great powers. of. Well, they're very actually similar to D&D dwarves, except they're not a player <laughs> character face. <laughs> they're, mo- they're more like um, Norse fair folk that are good at making things, like fairy kind of creatures right like magical beings yeah yeah and and less like um dour beer swilling um, here it is they're called dwargs okay dwarg called dwarf by some is a creature like a man misshapen like a cripple or one plagued with old sickness they oftentimes have a stunted look and bear tumors and swellings yet they are stronger than men and know no weariness they dwell in deep and hidden places where they craft beautiful things of wooden cloth and sometimes metal they have no wives and less greatly for the women of men though they appear to have no sons or daughters either they seem to live forever and none know from whence they come yet it seems sure they will find hell when they are slain <laughs> yeah there you go very different yeah, yeah. they sometimes like it. to bargain with men who seek their help ask by asking for hard things or to give to give or shameful favors all right that works for me they're also a six hit die monster so like nobody's fighting the dwarg <laughs> All right, we moving on to page 173. Sure. To determine the age of our minster. All this dice, no foils. <clears throat> wow, look at that. Handfuls and handfuls of dice being pulled out of the bag. Not a single... There's one. Okay. I think their shape means they shake to the bottom. <laughs> I would not be surprised. Okay. Roll on a d4. Three. It was founded a century ago and is well famed in the area. That makes sense. All right. Population of, population of the Minster. Mm-hmm. I got a four. More than a hundred monks pray within its walls. A respectable showing. Quite respectable. Yes. Okay. 
And then next is our Minster tag. Do we have we multiple did that. tags? No, nope, we, we did, did that, that already. Okay. That's correct. So Minster size and buildings, D8. Okay. Three. An earthen berm for a wall, two churches, and a dormitory. Oh. That has one service for passing travelers. Oh. Is what is that one service? We don't know yet. All right. Prosperity but of the Minster. Got a four. The Minster is poor. Its table's tightly laden. Its monks clad poorly against the cold. Oh wow. Yeah, they don't they don't they don't sell it. their artifacts. Well, also if a lot of their artifacts are being used for favor, yeah, they're not exactly getting paid for them, are they? Protection yeah. has a price. Yep. Special, here it is, special service. We have one service, so. Okay, let's make it a good one. Let's make it a good one with a D12. As soon as I can find a D12, here we go. A four, if you can believe it. Winemaking, able to produce the rare and precious vintage. Wow. Okay. See, when I thought service, I was like, you Church can stay service. there. <laughs> they'll wash your feet. I mean, they'll probably let you stay within the walls if you prove yourself to be a good friend to the abbot, but... Mm -hmm. Ready for some recent events? Yeah, what's happened recently? How many of these are we going to come up with? Just one. Okay. I got a nine. Okay. Nine. A sickness is spreading there or nearby. Oh, perfect. It's the sickness that has afflicted the Lord's child as well. Mm. It is yes. spreading throughout the land. Right? Our abbot has been exposed to it. Yes. In the early well, stages. We'll just give our uh, our dwarg one of the disease powers in the monster section, and uh, oh, there nice. we go. Off to the races. All right. Are we going to create some monks? Sure. Oh, we need a name. The simplest name is that of the founder, such as Eldwolfminster or Hrothgarminster. <laughs> Who's the founder? Or it may be named for the nearest place. Okay, let me roll up another old English name, and we'll just call it whatever that is, Minster. What was the name of our abbot, Edvard? Yeah, but it was founded a while ago, right? It wasn't. He wasn't. It's the a founder. century old. Yeah, he wasn't around back then. Or was he? Oh no. Okay. <laughs> um. Ah, Sigaweird Minster. Oh, wow. Sigaweird Minster. Yes. Sigaweird means, uh, or Sigar, Sig, Sigaward means victory. Mm, okay. Perhaps this was the site of a great victory over the pagan. All right. 
right. Well, if the heroes are to deal with a minster, then they must deal also with its monks. These tables I give to you that you might more easily fashion the monastics who are to give heroes their tasks and to listen to their earnest beseechings. All right, time to roll d4 for the age of the monastic. Yeah, this will be like our gatekeeper. I got a two. A monk of mature adult years and experience. Okay. And then the background of a monk. D6. I got a two. A Gesseth son who turned away from battle and blood. What was a Gesseth again? So a Gesseth is like basically like a, a Lord's companion, like an armsman for him. Um, it's like a slightly higher social standing if you're accepted. It's not hereditary. So this is the other thing too. Like there are no real hereditary roles. Like yeah. just because your dad's king doesn't mean you're going to be king. Right. The bloodline of Gaelic kings has been diluted. I think they have like an elective system actually amongst the local aldermen or aldermen um, who are like the lords. Okay, so he's the Gethis son. Mm-hmm. Now we have to come up with the background of a nun. I don't think we need a background of a nun. Okay. Are there nuns? Is there a nunnery attached to this? I mean, it's it could be. Uh, it is a moderately occupied minster. It's 100 years old. It has great treasures and craftsmen. But, um, hmm. All right. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's just get their chief labor with a D eight at the bottom of page 179. Got a one. An artisan works in the workshops. Mm Hmm. Okay. I think, I think this is brother Ethelred. Okay. Brother Ethelred, it is. And then the special grace or strength of Brother Ethelred, our young son of a guesseth. Yep. Got a five. Has significant personal property that they may use as they see fit. Oh, wow. And their dearest. Well, it makes sense. They're son of a guesseth. Yeah, perhaps the Geseth came into some book land um, and then the book land was passed on. So there's a whole system on lands later in the book. I don't know if you got to read that part. <laughs> I yet. did not get to that part, no. But basically, like most land returns to like the church or the king on the 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 death of the bearer, unless it's book land that's been written down, I think, by the church. It's complicated. But maybe he has like a plot of land hereditarily like titled to them. That's outside the minster, which would be that significant personal property. There's a whole like if you get land like taxing your peasants system in this game (laughs) to become a mighty elderman. (laughs) Okay, it was Brother Ethelred's dearest desire. We're looking for particular traits. 
a D12. Oh, I got ahead of myself. All right. Number five. Hmm. That one doesn't exactly fit. They need, well, oh, okay. They've been pocketing crap. Hmm. Okay. This is the reason why they have stuff. Yeah, so number five, dear listener, says they need wealth to repay a debt, pledge, or wear guild they owe. What's a wear, wear guild? Wear guild? It's like uh, the gold you pay for a life you took to the family so they don't go to war with you. Gotcha. Okay. So they have been amassing resources or wealth in order to pay this debt. Yep. Okay. And then yep. particular traits. Okay. D20. And 11. Bold of questions about outside affairs. Perfect. That's because like he perfect knows NPC. people are looking for him. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so uh, who knows you're here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see any armed, armed men, particularly in the service of, you know, the Lord of Mercia? No? Okay. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. No, I don't jangle when I walk. No reason. Um, so Brother Ethelred has an unfortunate... Yeah, I think Brother Ethelred did not plan on joining the church. Um, but uh, I got in a drunken brawl, kind of assuming mm -hmm. some things on his father's position, and in the brawl killed somebody, and now owes wear guild to the family that he could not pay because his father disowned him. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like, I'm not paying your debts. <laughs> like, it's been a hard winter. <laughs> Fuck off to a minster. So he fucked off to a minster where he's been working as a craftsman, trying to end pocketing shit. Uh, and he has things he needs done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, is that it? We created our minster? Yeah, we've got our starting hub. Um, if we were going on a next step, we'd probably use the caster creation rules to just make the rest of the caster where we might think our first adventure is. It's going to be pretty familiar for those of you who've listened to us make other things like this. You, uh, It's not drawing a dungeon. It's not drawing a map. You pick squares, and in each square, you see if there's a landmark or a point of interest, and, and that's it. Mm -hmm. So. This has like a, I know it's not the same thing. So keep that in mind as I'm about to say what I'm, what I'm, what, this kind of has like a Valheim kind of feel to it. Does that yeah. make any sense? Yeah. I would, I would say if you're like, if you're like, this sounds kind of interesting. What is some other media that I could watch to get into this? Um, The Last Kingdom on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Uh, it, The Last Kingdom is like 200 years in the future during the Viking age. But if you want to get a sense of what, the, the Anglo-Saxons might be like. Um, it, not a lot has changed except for Viking invasion, which I guess changes a lot. But uh, yeah, I'd highly recommend checking out The Last Kingdom on Netflix to get a sense of, you know, or if you just are into the adventures of Uhtred, son of Uhtred. Um, <laughs> I mean, who isn't? There's some great stuff in season one and season two about like wild pagan and the whale. They go, they go to whale but that's Wales, by the way, and the whale are the Welsh, in mm -hmm. case it was a hard jump on that one. Um, what are your takeaways? 
what are my takeaways? Yeah, um, after we, we we did this. Any takeaways? You mean, what are my takeaways for just Wolves of God or for all of Kevin Crawford's books, all of the creative processes we've done? I think we'll save all the creative processes for the back end of episode 12, but just Wolves okay. of God. Any takeaways? Um, yeah, my, uh, you know, I'm super impressed. Um, not surprised that a Kevin Crawford book makes me want to play the game and the setting we created, you know, um, I can't tell you how many times I've, you know, tried to come up with a setting for anything from the, you know, I mean, obviously the cipher system has its own settings or whatever, but if you've ever just thought of creating a setting and you want it to be, you know, in, in the same vein of something, um, these books are perfect for it. This book is just creates ideas as you're reading it as a typical Kevin Crawford book does. And as far as creating that home base, I mean, this was as per usual, fun and interesting. Um, and you know, each table provides you with, you know, the seeds to create an adventure seeds to yeah. create that the lead in for your adventure and your characters. You know, you think about how hard we've worked in the past to try to loop everybody into the game or to try to create a place for the, them to meet. You know what I mean? And like, this is, you know, perfect for that. You know, like I said, like reading this book and just doing this makes me want to run this game. What about well, yourself? I'll, I'll, I'll plan it if you run. Um, <laughs> I just, I think one of the things to remember too, uh, like, Hey, don't like, don't, think that you have to do all the work yourself when you're creating adventures or campaign settings or even world building. Like there's tons of tools and resources out there like the ones in this book. Um, I would suggest if you're using resources like this and you get a contradiction like we did with our, our you know, monastic good brother Ethelred who had some personal property and then we found out like his problem that he's got going on is he he owes a, a wear guild for the murder of uh, another Giseth's son mm -hmm. um like lean into that contradiction because there's pro that conflict right. is going to generate story um i think the advice in this one of like start if you're when you're planning an adventure start with a fundamental conflict the people around or in the area have is really great advice uh, especially for sandboxes, but I don't think it can hurt for, mm -hmm. you know, more narrative structured RPGs as well. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah. old English sounds really cool is. <laughs> yeah. Stories are, are, are created from conflict and contradiction is the best kind of conflict. So, you know, I, just to echo what Jesse's saying, you know, don't dismiss, something just because it doesn't match up correctly, you know, take a walk around the block and see if you can't think it through. Now, why did this happen? Why is there this conflict? Um, you know, these tables weren't, you know, made with perfection, but I, I, most combinations do work together. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just providing you with that, you know, that structure and you can change, you can change things as you see fit. We could have re-rolled, on any time on, on any of these tables yep uh and then i had one more question for you and then or one more takeaway um sure. my new favorite old english word is wolf tide which means wolf time um all right and then my question for you is like when i was doing my weird old english thing 
uh were there any parts that you were suddenly like i think i just understood what he said um there were a couple times where i thought i heard a word i recognized here and there yeah there's there's one part where it's like gira agawina wera and then it's just like roman works scattereth the land <laughs> and i'm like yeah. huh okay <laughs> yeah definitely Oh and, yeah, and ruin is for weird, like W I W Y R D, mm -hmm. like fate. So yeah. like fate before means ruin in old English. <laughs> yeah, I read that part uh before we started the call about um noble and ignoble weird. Yep. Yep. Cool. Yeah, there's there's so much generic fantasy out there, people. Wolves of God is so specific. And interesting because of it. I I can't really think of very many products that do historical role playing like this. There was a weird series that I only learned about after the fact from Green Ronin mm. back in the day that like had like Testament adventures in the biblical age. Oh like, wow, uh, which was pretty interesting. And they had, I mean, you'll see an Egyptian one from now and then, but like. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like here's the other thing too. I don't feel in any way shape or form like playing a story in this is cultural appropriation. <laughs> Why is that? Is it because we're white guys? Cuz <laughs> this, this is this like, is kind of our culture. <laughs> like, I mean, but that's like maybe this is a totally different conversation and I'm going to apologize up front to, you know, for starting it. But like just generically applying things as, well, you're white, so this is your culture. It's like, I'm not French. I'm not a French descent. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, I, I'm not of English or British descent. You know what I mean? Like this isn't my culture. Like if you want to know where I'm from, from take a map of, of Western Europe and then throw some change at it and wherever it lands, I'm probably from, you know, I'm, I'm a mutt like most white people in America. I'm a mutt. I guess what I'm saying, the only thing exotic about this is its age, not necessarily mm -hmm. the people. Um, cause I'm my family. Well, who can say really as an American, but my family's pretty German and the Anglo-Saxons were pretty, pretty German. <laughs> yeah. You know, my family has a German last name, but I am, I'm more, you know, like I'm more spread out than that. That's just where my people ended up. These are the family names we married into. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like I, I have a lot of Lithuanian in my family line. You know what I mean? More than I do of German. Mm. It, it's like, so you know, I'll give a little bit of pushback in that, like a lot of the popular culture is based on, you know, Western Europe, a lot of D and D and, and medieval fantasy is based on Western Europe, or at least those ideas and concepts. And I think that's why there's no cultural appropriation here because there's enough connective tissue with what we all understand, you know? I just happen to like the dwarves from this book better than the ones in the player's handbook of D&D. <laughs>
You know, I mean, how cool would it be if instead of your D&D dwarf, you were a twisted magical creature who like makes things? Yeah. And is certainly going list? to hell when he dies. <laughs> did you read the did you read the spells for the the Galder? No, the I haven't spells? gotten to the spells yet. They're like things like spook horse, cure oh, snake bite, like yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Well, like this is this this game I feel like is Maddie Cat now. I you I know? felt the same way from the moment I heard about it. Like <laughs> Yeah, but the, I think the reason like I think we have very separate reasons. Like uh uh, there is some crossover, but I feel I feel like a lot of the part that appeals to you is the old English, the historical basis, you know, the very strict thematical thematic elements. And for me, it's like I love a game where a spell you have is spook horse. Like I make characters that I try to make interesting story wise and are ultimately useless in a D and D game. So, like, the fact that your spellcaster can spook a horse, I'm like, all right, now we got something we can work with. Yeah. I cast spook a horse. (laughs) (laughs) So, role-play games are fun, people. Have fun with your games. Get out there and play some fucking games. But if they want to uh, talk to us... Wait, wait, wait. Gatha leren summa spell othi huat. There you go. 